For the Athletic Podcast Network, this is The Update. I'm Adam Copeland. On today's show, we'll talk to Grant Brisby, who covers the San Francisco Giants for The Athletic, about Friday's trade deadline. We were all waiting all week long to see if Farhan Zaidi and Scott Harris would make a decision on what they should do with the first-place Giants roster. They waited until minutes before the 1 p.m. Pacific deadline to announce that they had traded two prospects to the Chicago Cubs for former MVP Chris Bryant, who joined the lineup this weekend. Also, right after the deadline, it was announced that former San Francisco Giant Tony Watson from the LA Angels was coming back to San Francisco to join this bullpen. All things we can talk about with Grant Brisby, who joins me next. Today is Monday, August 2nd. It's a pleasure to welcome back to the podcast. Grant Brisby, of course, covers the Giants for The Athletic. And Grant, I, no joke, I was thinking back, like, if I go back maybe 10 years in time, maybe 15 years in time, I, I was probably sitting at a computer this exact day, or, or July 31, I should say, slaving over a McCovey Chronicles article that you wrote, something witty about the Giants acquiring Ryan Garko or Shea Hillenbrand or why they shouldn't have traded Jeremy Accardo or something like that. And yet here we are now getting ready to talk about one of the biggest trades at deadline day in Giants history, man. How are you? I'm doing well. Who would have thought, huh? Who would have thought? Me and you right here. (laughs) You probably would have been reading about why it was such a disaster for the Giants to trade John Bowker for Javier Lopez. (laughs) How could that trade possibly work out? It's so funny, man. Like some of those moves, like sometimes the smallest ones, like obviously in 2002, they needed an outfielder. Barry Bonds was on the injured list or the the, uh, disabled list at the time. And they went out and they got Kenny Lofton so they didn't have to play Tony Torcato, right? Like They were out getting different guys that their team needed to survive. But this one, dude, this is bigger than Marco Scudero. It's probably as big as Hunter Pence, if not a little less, maybe not quite as big as Hunter Pence just because they were looking to repeat as champions for the second time in three years. But where do you put this one for Chris? Chris Bryan in the pantheon of all-time Giants moves. It's up there. It's up there for a rental. I mean, the the only reasonable comp is Carlos Beltran. And uh, while, you know, Giants fans go, oh, you know, uh, Beltran didn't work out. He did. He hit like he was supposed to. He hit a 320 or something with a 9-something OPS. The only problem w- with him was that he got hurt right away, but he was the perfect fit. Everyone knew it. Bryant is kind of like that, but he's even more so. He's more of a perfect fit because he is not just like a solve for what Whatever the Giants are missing in their current lineup, he is a contingency plan all over the diamond. He can play if Longoria's rehab takes a step back. Well, he can play third. If Belt gets hurt again, well, he can play first. If they need help in the outfield, well, that's where he can play. He can play all three outfield positions. If everyone's healthy, guess what? You still have Chris Bryant. You'll figure it out. And so that's what makes him the perfect fit for this team. And do you get the impression, it's funny, you say rental and the perfect comp being Carlos Beltran, because I believe the Giants tried to re-sign Beltran. Also, they gave up a first-round pick in Zach Wheeler for him. This one, not quite as big with Alexander Canario going. And uh, who was the other the other minor leaguer that went over with Canario? Caleb Killian, right-handed there pitcher. Yeah, so Caleb Killian goes and uh, Canario goes. As far as how this shook out, like we didn't get any news on this until like minutes before the deadline. It kind of felt for a little bit like maybe nothing is going to happen. All these moves are happening around the Giants and I think people were being very patient in general, but starting to get to that boiling point where you're like, okay, Chris Bryant is the last standing big tradable piece right now. Javi Baez has been moved. Rizzo's been moved. All the other suitors have been taken care of. Did you get an impression as to how this thing shook out when you talked to Farhan or talked to Gabe? There was an earlier rumor that was tweeted out, uh, I'm not exactly sure by whom, but it was saying, hey, you know, the Cubs really like Joey Bart. 
And very quickly, you got word from some Giants beat writers that no, 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 no. Like Bart is probably not the option here. That That's not going to happen. And I don't think that that came from an intern, if you know what I mean. Like, I think the Giants were very hesitant to say, no, 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 we're not giving up Bart for a rental. Like, Bart is a valuable, he's one of the top prospects in baseball. Just because we have Buster Posey rolling right now, doesn't mean we're, we're going to give up him for a rental. And I think it went down to the last second because the Cubs were trying to shoot their shot and, and bless them for it. That's what they should have done. They were trying to see if they could really, you know, hold back and get another team to come over the top and, and beat the Giants offer. At the end of the deadline, I think the Giants had a, a strong offer. It is not a painless offer for the Giants. Alexander Canario has a lot of tools. He was added to the 40-man roster this offseason to keep him away from the Rule 5 draft, even though he wasn't close to the majors, and the Giants did that because he was such a good prospect. Even in the lower minors, they were scared a team like the Orioles or the Tigers would park him on the 26-man roster all year just to get him in the system. So they liked him, Caleb Killian. This is his first year of full-season ball, and he's been aces. He just dominated the lower minors. He got promoted to double-A. He's dominated there. So they liked both of these guys a lot and it's it's unfair to say well you know it's a win they didn't give up Bart they gave up a ton of talent but they felt like they had to do it with this team this roster these needs and the caliber of player that Brian is and they felt like I think they still got to hold on to your point some of the higher tiered prospects that are maybe closer to the major leagues in the system right now maybe guys who at least temporarily were going to be blocked by somebody else at their position and the other part of this is I don't think it's a one-off we he's considered a rental because he's a free agent after the season but is it your belief that maybe the Giants could try to resign him because we talked about all these shortstops that were going to be big name free agent shortstops after the season Javi Baez and Frankie Lindor but then he signs with the Mets uh, after getting traded over there he gets the big contract Trevor Story, Carlos Correa, all these guys were going to be free agent shortstops. And now here's Brandon Crawford outplaying all of them. I think it's fair to assume they'll make an offer to Brandon Crawford at some point. But I think it's also fair to assume that maybe Chris Bryant is the guy who's the highest paid of all those shortstops when he hits the market this offseason. If you're going to draw up a template of the kind of marquee free agent that the Giants would sign, the only problem with Brian is that maybe he's a little too close to 30. Maybe he's not like that 25, 26-year-old like Bryce Harper was back when he was a free agent. But everything else fits. He's not just some dude. He's a dude with an MVP caliber resume. He's not just like a guy who's had a few good seasons. He's had a few all-star seasons. He's not just uh, someone you park in a corner. He's someone who can play all all three outfield positions. He can play uh, uh, several positions in the infield, third and first. So he can do so much that the Giants are looking for when they're building the roster. The Giants love so much of what he offers. It's a good fit, you know? I think, like you said, Crawford looks like he might be coming back. There might be a good short-term fit there. But if it comes to a longer-term deal, and it would be longer-term because his agent is Scott Boris, I think Bryant makes a lot of sense in a lot of different ways. What do you know about how much they were in on a starting pitcher? And, and we saw them bring Tony Watson back, which is kind of a cool little little story there, and we can talk about that in a minute. But uh, how much were they in on Max Scherzer? How much were they in on, on maybe talking about a Kyle Gibson, a Jose Barrios, who obviously Minnesota Twins got a haul for uh, from Toronto? I'm just wondering, they've got five starters. They're not super deep at the starting pitching position. Four of the five starters are free agents after this year. Uh, how aggressive were they on the starting pitching market? I could only use uh, Farhan's words when he was talking about the Max Scherzer news breaking where uh, the Dodgers got him. He said there was emotion. 
and that the Giants were in. I don't know how deep they were in, but they were at least in the conversation. One thing I'm looking at, though, are some of the guys who weren't traded. And I'm talking about John Gray of the Rockies, Kenta Maeda for the Twins as starters, and then Rasel Iglesias for the Angels a closer. Those guys didn't move, and they all seemed like, in different ways, very, very good fits for the Giants. I'm just guessing, and this is just spitballing, that the Giants were in on at least one, two, maybe all three of those guys until the very, very end when there just wasn't a deal that matched up. But I think they would have preferred to get a starter, a reliever, and Chris Bryant. When it shakes out, just getting Chris Bryant's pretty okay. Yeah, yeah, I think everybody's happy with Chris Bryant. Again, maybe outside of Beltron name-wise, the biggest acquisition ever uh, at the trade deadline for the Giants, or at least in a long time. It's a huge move for them to get him, and he's going to fill a big void all over the field, like you said, multiple positions. I think it's funny thinking about Farhan and Gabe saying there was some emotion there, because Gabe, you know, he's a weightlifting dude. He's got the the abs. He's jacked. I think about Farhan, like, putting his fist through a door because, uh, because <laughs> Max Scherzer signed with the Dodgers. It's just kind of a funny thought, right? I think that's sort of, sort of funny to think about the emotion behind the scenes there. I like to think of Farhan as this this total gangster who's just getting everything done. Uh, just the office scenes. chair through the yeah. window. Just, <laughs> ah! Yeah, yeah. I, I imagine like if when they do the movie on this, the fictional movie, that's, <laughs> that'll be the cutaway. He's like, yeah, there was some emotion. It cuts away to Farhan chucking a chair through the window onto the field from his uh, from his suite at Oracle Park. Uh, anyway, the, uh, the Tony Watson move, he comes from the Angels back to San Francisco. I had to look at his numbers. I was like, dude, he was here as recently as last year. This is so crazy. The pandemic has messed with my mind and the calendar. I was like, oh boy, he pitched for the Giants in 2020. He's coming back. I guess they felt like they wanted more left-handed relief help. There were rumors a couple weeks ago about Taylor Rogers coming over. I imagine Tony Watson probably a little bit cheaper. What, what do you know about this deal and, and what went into this? I think it's kind of cool they got him back. Listen, it caught me totally off guard. It makes sense as far as is he better than the 13th man on the pitching staff he probably is regardless of you know pick a name at the back end of the Giants bullpen Tony Watson in 2021 is probably better what surprises me is that the Giants don't have a ton of need for left-handed relief they have McGee uh, they have Harlan Garcia they have Jose Alvarez is kind of rounded into form so it wasn't like the pressing need like you might have thought a late inning right-handed reliever but at the same time there were a lot of considerations that went into it there were players who went to the Angels in the steal that who would have had to be on the 40-man roster to keep them away from the Rule 5 draft. So they figured, okay, we're going to lose these guys anyway. They had to give up someone on the 40-man roster to get Watson in. That's why Sam Selman left. So there's like all this bureaucratic nonsense that goes into this. But I think at the end of the day, it's, look, is this guy better than the 13th man on our pitching staff? Yeah, probably. And they might have an idea of what's working with him now, what they could get working better, what was working better last year. They might have a better idea of how to fix Watson than the Angels did. Yeah, I, I like that move. I think it's okay there. I, when I saw the move, like you said, I was I was so confused by it and, and taken aback by it that when I saw the, the news breaking, I can't remember who I saw it, maybe Ken Rosenthal just said, you know, Tony Watson to the Giants. I thought maybe it was like a tweet that somebody had had brought back from like four <laughs> years ago. I, I was like looking at it for two or three minutes. Like, is this the date? Is this the date this year right now? This is okay, but uh, all works out. I guess so, so Dominic Leone probably going to stay in, in like that sixth, seventh inning role as the late inning right-handed reliever. Is that the assumption? 
I would think he would take over for, I don't know, I, you know, Sammy Long is a lefty, but I, I like his ability to, to go multiple innings and even be a spot starter if they want him to be. But again, I don't know. I just think it's it's like a power move. The Giants looked at what the Angels were doing with Watson and said, no, 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 you idiots. Come on, come on, give him back, give him back, come on. We, we know what, what to do with him, come on. It's like when somebody's fiddling with something around the house and they, they sit there and you watch for 10 minutes, you go, let me see, let me let me toy with it. And you do the exact same thing they did. So uh, maybe the Giants will get a little bit more production. Fun trade deadline day i think the best one we can remember uh, in a long time if not ever so i appreciate the time today man thanks grant you got it thanks so much for having me on Great stuff from Grant Brisby. And yeah, I think, you know, Farhan Zaidi told us after the trade went down that Chris Bryant was, in fact, their primary target. And Gabe Kapler admitted that there were some feelings, some emotions after finding out that Max Scherzer was headed to Los Angeles. The Giants admitted that they were in on those conversations, but the asking price may be a little bit too much. And considering they gave up just two prospects and nowhere near the haul that the Nationals got for Max Scherzer from the Dodgers and Kiebert Ruiz and Josiah Gray, you got to be feeling pretty good if you're a San Francisco Giant. Thank you to Grant. Thank you to Brian. Thank you to you, the listener. If you're enjoying the podcast, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever it is you're listening. We can continue the conversation about the Giants and the National League West later this week. Also, we've got to get into what's going on with the Golden State Warriors. They made two draft selections, Kaminga and Moody, both Golden State Warriors, at least for the time being. We'll see what happens when the Warriors hit free agency and if Bob Myers can bolster this roster just a bit more for Steph Curry and company. All that in the days ahead. Until Wednesday, enjoy the week. We'll talk to you then. Thank you.